Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit View Podcast and this week's Adult Bible Study as we conclude our series on the Epistles of John. We've covered 1 John, 2 John, and this week we cover 3 John. Now next week, there's nothing that I'm teaching to the class. We're doing something different at our church. I will probably have something for you podcast listeners. And then the week after that, we'll begin a brand new series. I've not officially released it yet on what we're doing. We'll talk about that next week. I did throw some teasers in here this week's lesson, so if you're listening, you may catch that. But I am looking forward to studying and praying about this next series. I think it's going to be super helpful. For you podcast listeners, the ones in my class can choose to go to one of three or maybe four other classes. But for you faithful that listen online, I'm so glad that you're here. So this week we're going to get into the third letter of John, writing to a guy named Gaius. We're going to see why he's writing this, the importance of it. We're going to see some faithful men and some prideful men, and uh, we're going to talk about that. So thank you again for being a part of the podcast. If there's anything I can do, uh, anything I can try to help you with, don't hesitate to reach out. And then as always, go to bradmcclure.org and sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already. All right, without further ado, here is this week's study on 3 John. Let's go to 3 John. It's where we are, the shortest letter it's got 14 verses, you may notice, but it's in last second John had 13, but this has less words, I'm told. And so this is the shortest letter and uh, it was written. And John wrote this one to an individual. Last one was kind of uh, to a group. It says her luck lady and her children. It was to be given to few. But this one's written to an individual. But he still carries along his same theme. I just picture this older man writing... And he's talking about, once again, truth. This guy, John, was just obsessed with the word truth. And I love it because it helps us to see um, what we are to be walking in. I just picture him, again, thinking about when he listened to Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's probably thinking, hey, I'm not getting away from that word truth. Jesus talked about it. I'm going to talk about it. And so we're going to talk about it. But let's look in verse 1. Let's just jump right into it. It says, the elder. He's referring to himself. That's what he did last week uh, in verse 1 of 2 John. He's referring to himself. He's, I don't know uh, that he's joking and basically saying, hey, I'm the old guy writing to you. I don't know that he's necessarily saying that. I don't think he's using the office that he, as a pastor, sometimes the pastor's got three different words, bishop, pastor, um, or elder. I don't think he's necessarily referring to that, though, that he would qualify as that. He's just saying, hey, I'm an older guy who's been through a lot. I've, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm writing this to you. And he says, unto the well-beloved Gaius. Now, you're going to notice how many times in this, this letter, I don't know that I'll come back to this thought, I may, but I want you to notice how many times he talks about the word beloved or well-beloved. And he's referring to this Gaius. It's just, what I think about it is just a, a, this older man who's been ministering for years, and he's looking at this guy. Gaius was a common name back then. So it's also mentioned, I think, in Acts. It's also mentioned, I can't remember the other place, maybe 1 Corinthians. Paul mentioned the name. We don't know if it's the same guy or not because it was a common name back then. So we just kind of say, uh, we, we just got to kind of assume that this may be a different guy. But you can see John's love for him. He calls him beloved multiple times. And he says, to the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, so that he tells him and says that again. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. I think here, maybe Gaius was in bad health. We don't know that. Uh, he may just be a courtesy, a greeting. I hope you're doing well. 
Like we may say to someone, I hope you're doing well. That could be implied maybe hundreds of years later, somebody saying, well, were they sick? Is that why they need to be well? Or So it, this could be implied that he had some health issues that he was getting over, probably COVID. All right, he probably had COVID back then and he's getting better. Um, it, it could be implied that. But he, and John has heard, he's followed up, he's listened. He says, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing better. But then he says, even as thy soul prospereth. And he's kind of saying here, indicating here that there's something about who you are that's greater than your physical. You have a soul that has been prospering. Gaius, this man, Gaius, as we're going to read a little bit about him here, John loved his attitude towards the gospels, attitude towards the truth, how he lived in the truth. And he said, this, there's something about you. Your soul is prospering. I think that's a neat phrase that he's, that he's using there. We can see... We think of prosperity when it comes to financial things. That's how we think of prosperity. But you can, you can prosper when it comes to financial things and have a wicked soul. Yesterday we were playing that softball game and one of the little kids, I was dirty as could be. I believe one game and I had dirt all over me and one of the kids came up to me and said, they pointed at Brian, my brother, said, he's not dirty at all, but you're dirty all over. <laughs> I said, well, my dirt's on the inside, but the soul is really good. I said, his, he's clean on the outside, but he is dirty on the inside. You know? And I was kind of joking around with him. I think it was his daughter, maybe. But um, no, it was your son that said that, actually. But, but what I was joking about, but it's, it's, there's a spiritual truth in that, that we can look really good on the outside and have all kinds of financial things, but are we prospering in our soul? Is there growth in our lives? Is there any depth to our spiritual life and our walk? And, and we can exercise and, and, and do things. Michelle and I have been walking every day, and I've been adding a little bit of running in there, and, and uh, we've been doing some different things. But physically, it's good to try to, to try to make sure you're healthy. But if you're physically healthy but spiritually rotten, what good is it going to do you? It may live a little longer, but we need to make sure that we put as much emphasis on our spiritual life as we sometimes do in our physical life. And if you put no emphasis on your spiritual life, then forget that point. And then, but you see that you need to put some emphasis on your spiritual life. I, I don't know why I want to get bogged down here for a second, but how do we, how do we make sure our soul prospers? Because it's easy to understand. If I wanted to say right now, how do you prosper physically? What, what are some things that we might say? If I, let's just park here for a second. If I said, how do you Getting good physical health. What would you say? The things that you hate when people say. But what would we say? Eat right. Eat right. Yep. Hate that. What else? Exercise. Exercise. Hate that. Drink water. What do you got in that cup? Ah, there we go. So eat right. Exercise. Drink water. These are some things that they would say. They don't tend to like... Uh, Max shells and cheese. Man, that stuff's good, but the doctors don't seem to like that. They don't like donuts. Those things are good. They don't see. So I think we kind of understand, whether we do it or not, but we understand here's a way that's going to help me be healthy. Now, on the other side of things, how do we make sure that we're healthy spiritually? Well, we know, we know we need to be in the Word of God, right? We've got, I mean, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Jesus says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And it talks about in John 15 as well that when his words abide in us, he says, You shall be clean. So we know that we've got to have the word of God in us. 
But, and I don't want to, I shouldn't stay too long on this point. We'll get to it in maybe my next series some. But if I just sit down real quick and read through John in a matter, third John, let's say in a matter of 15, let's say 30 seconds. If I just flew through it. And then I closed this up and I said, there you go. Am I spiritually healthy now? Because I just flew through third John. I read it in 30 seconds. All right, I'm going to wait for the Holy Spirit to kick in now and I'm going to be spiritually healthy. Is that what happens? No. Just like if I were to leave here today and say, hey, Shell, you know what? I want to get physically healthy. Make me a salad. And she's like, wow, yes, finally, my fat slob of a husband wants to be healthy. Now, she wouldn't say that. She's a lot kinder. But if she said, so she fixed me this salad and she's watching me eat it like, yes, he's going to finally get healthy. And I eat it. She watches every bite. She's like, yes, he's going to get healthy. And then the next morning, I go out and get donuts. And the next morning, I, I, the next day, I say, hey, can we have our shells and cheese and mashed potatoes and gravy and all this stuff? And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I thought you were going to get healthy. I said, oh, I had the salad yesterday. I'm, I'm good. Am I going to just drop 30 pounds like that and all of a sudden be ripped from eating one salad? No, it's a daily discipline. And don't you, you gain weight a lot faster than you lose it, don't you? I've lost about 15 pounds now in two months. I could gain 30 in about a week if I wanted to right now. It's crazy how it happens. So it takes discipline every single day to stay with it, fight through the mental battles, fight through the temptation in order to get physically healthy. Now, what happens spiritually? We think I can just skim through a book real quick and I've done my job. God, just bring in all the spiritualness right now, make my soul prosper. No, it takes every day discipline understanding, studying it. You don't have to understand a salad to eat it and get healthy. Okay, you just don't have to figure it all out. But the Word of God, it's not a quick skim. It's a study and spend some time with God. And it's deeper than just a quick check it off my list. So we want to make sure... I got a little sidetracked there. I'll maybe touch more on that in a full series next time. But but he's talking about here... He said, I see that... I'm glad that you're, you're doing better in your health, but I see that your soul is prospering. And that meant a lot to John. And that's really my goal as a teacher, to be honest with you, in this stage of my life, I, I want to see in my life and my kids' lives and in those that are in any of my classes, I want our souls to prosper. I want us to grow in our faith. And he goes on, he says in verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I do like this verse because he said, there's been people that come to me, the other brethren, other Christians, and they came to me and talked about you. And they said that you're not only in the truth, but that you're walking in the truth. Now, what, what does he mean by that? He says that he's in thee, the truth is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I think, number one, they could see it's obvious that you are in Jesus Christ. Now, that's my question for us. Is it obvious to your coworkers? Is it obvious to your family that you are in Jesus Christ? It's going to be obvious to us. We're at least going to think it because you're sitting in church. But this afternoon at 3 o'clock, you won't be sitting in church. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, you're not going to be sitting in church. Is it obvious that the truth is in you every day? Now, remember what I said last week? I think I touched on this last week. What is truth? Well, I've already told you one verse. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus Christ is the truth. In John 16, he says... The spirit of truth shall guide you into all truth. So we know the Holy Spirit is truth. Those, those are one. So we could, but just for the sake of it. And then in John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. That's Jesus praying to God the Father in John 17. And he says, sanctify, that means set apart, help them to grow. Sanctification is what we call it now. Through the truth, thy word is truth. So the spirit of God is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And this word right here, the word of God is truth. And so when he says, I, we testify, these guys testify that the truth is in you. I guess the question, if we want to modernize it today is, can we see Jesus Christ in your life? Can we see the Holy Spirit working in your life? Can we see the word of God lived out in your life so if we read so if we read the bible and then we use that and we shouldn't do this but if we use the what we're reading to scan your life does it match that's what he's saying we, we need to be i see that your the truth is in you but then he goes the next step even that thou walkest in truth they kind of blend a little bit but what does he mean by this he's saying it's not in not only in you but you're walking in it it's you're obeying it it's it's kind of like your words say one thing, but your actions say something different. He's saying, for you, Gaius, he says, your, your words are saying the truth is in you, but you're backing it up with your walk, your actions. This is the, the, the perfect testimony to have with others. Are you, you're supporting what you say and what you say you believe with the life that you live. And so that really, it's a simple application. It's a simple question for us to ask ourselves. Does my life and my actions back up what I say I believe. And we think, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I believe Jesus Christ and I, I, and I, I, I'm not ashamed to, to identify with Jesus Christ. All right, bring it down to the more difficult things. Those get to those fruit of the Spirit, which may be in my next series, by the way, in a little hint, but let's get da daily plug. So it's easy to say, yeah, but what if, what if we get to some of those fruits that says love? Yeah, I show love. But are we more selfish than we are loving? Do we spend our days worrying? That's not a fruit of the Spirit. I think it's peace. Are we frustrated all the time? That's not a fruit of the Spirit. I think it's joy. So it's easy to say, oh yeah, I identify with Jesus Christ. I'm walking in Jesus Christ. Well, let's break it down to the everyday when Brad goes to the bank type of thing. And your boss is saying you need to get this done by a certain time. And the underwriters are not getting you a closing when you need to have a closing. And you're feeling the frustration build in you. Do I walk in the truth at that point? You see, it, the Christian life is, is lived every day. But Gaius had this testimony that he, and, and Paul rejoiced. And he said, other people came. Gaius didn't know this. He didn't say, hey, guys, tell John this for me, please. Tell him I'm a pretty good guy. He didn't say that. These guys just came on their own. And somehow in the conversation, they said, hey, how's Gaius doing? And he said, oh, the guy's amazing. guy's amazing. The truths that you've taught us, he is living them out. You could see it in his life. So he's rejoicing that he's heard that, and he's writing this personal letter to encourage Gaius. And I want to show you more why he wrote it in a minute. But then verse 4 is the verse that I was some reason referencing last week, but it's the verse that's popular in this one. He says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, this wasn't John's biological child. He's talking about maybe someone that he's led to the Lord. Definitely somebody that he's discipled. And this gets put on a lot of memes and we use it for our own children. I think it's a good application. But the truth, he's not necessarily talking about his physical kids, but that isn't, doesn't apply. You know, if I get to 80 years old and I look back at my kids, there would be no greater joy than to see that my kids are walking in truth. I pray for him almost every morning as I'm driving to work and say, God, just raise up faithful servants for you. It's what I would love to see. There's no greater joy than to see that. 
But you know, it's also the great joy of watching those that you've discipled, those that you led to the Lord grow in their faith. You say, well, I've never had that joy. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great joy. Invest in people's lives. Watch them grow. Watch them. I, I reached out to some this week that was in my church before. And this young man, he is, he's um, not in church. Um, he's, he was abused. He's um, angry at the church. But uh, I reached out to him. He's doing a, a good thing in Lansing, Michigan. He's doing a, a, a podcast trying to help people in the community. He's a moral guy. Great dad to his kids. Because I think of what he saw in his life. He was adopted. And in his adopted home, he was uh, abused. I forgot all this is on here, but that's all right. Um, and uh, But I don't know that he's going to church. I don't know that he's even interested in going to church right now. But he's doing a good job. And I reached out to him this week and I said, Hey, buddy, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. I love you. You're a great dad to your kids. You're a great husband to your wife. And I think that's wonderful. Is there anything I can do? Let me know. And he said, You can come on to the podcast. I'm like, Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe sometime. But... He, you know, I, it breaks my heart that he's not necessarily walking in the truth that he's been taught. But I think he can. I think he can get back to that. He can battle through some of those hurts. But I want to be there to let him know that I love him, even though I'm miles away from him. But there's others that are walking in truth, and it rejoices your heart. So the only way to be able to say that, though, outside of your biological children, is to invest in people's lives. See some saved, and then follow up. If you're this week working in vacation Bible school, and you get to talk to a child, and you get to see them saved, then follow up with them. Maybe find out their address and, and pop in every once in a while. Buy them a Bible. Make it your personal mission in a sense, not in a weird, creepy way where you're like stalking their house or anything like that, all right? But I mean, in a way that you are burdened and you're, you're prayerful over these children. Just like I listened to Jacob today say, you know, one in particular, and he said, Jackson, and this, he saw something with his eyes that affected his heart. He saw whatever he saw, and it broke his heart that days later, he's sitting in here in this classroom saying, hey, Pray for Jacob. Why? Because he has, he wants to see, or Jackson, excuse me, Jacob wants to see Jackson walking in truth. And I'm sure in 20 years from now, if Jacob hears that Jackson is walking in truth, there'll be no greater joy. It's going to rejoice his heart. So we, but the only way we get to experience that is if we invest in people. If all we do is occupy a seat, then there's stuff that you can do. You can pray, and I think, I think that is part of this as well, if you're praying for an individual, but try to invest in people. And so he says, I have no greater joy than hear my children walk in truth. He says, Beloved, there's our term again, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest unto the brethren and to strangers. So he's faithful. This man not only is walking in truth, but he's faithfully walking in truth. And that's, I won't belittle this point or stay on this point too long, but that's, that's what he is, What I've just said about the diet. You don't just eat one salad and expect to be healthy. You don't just walk in the truth one day and expect to be your soul to be prosperous. You've got to be faithful at it. You've got to show up every day and, 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 want, and spend the quality time with God every single day. Elijah today told me this. He said, Dad, we're, he's going to a basketball camp. They went to one yesterday, and, and we're, they're going to go back today. He's eight years old. He did a great job with his eight-year-olds. I think he was dominating all of them, but I'm a dad that just thinks that. But he's like, Dad, I don't think I want to go back to that camp today. I go, why? He's like, my legs are sore. I'm like, toughen up, buddy. You're eight years old. But he's the little bit of pain in his legs because he's not been doing those little slides that they've been doing. He's not been bending over like that. He's just been running free as a kid. He's already, and this is a very loose illustration, he's already like, I think I'm ready to stop because I'm a little bit of pain. I'm like, buddy, toughen up, all right? But that's life. Isn't that our spiritual life sometimes? I feel a little bit of pain. 
It's a little bit tough to study. It's I gotta go. It's, it t- changes my schedule, and we just stop. No, we gotta be faithful in walking in truth, and that's what he said about him. You are Gaius. He said you're faithfully doing whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. So not just for yourself, but you're helping other people and to strangers, and that is really the source of this letter. So let me get to the source of why he's writing this. He, the first few verses, he's just been commending him, but now he gets to the heart of why he's writing this, and it's because. John is impressed, not only with his life, but that he is kind and compassionate and hospitable to other people. Now, when I say the word hospitable, you've got to remember the culture. They didn't have hotels back then, did they? It wasn't a Best Western or a Marriott, anywhere for these to stay. And the, how, the churches were in houses, so there were circuit preachers. John was one, and they would travel from house to house and preach the gospel. Well, you didn't have a place to stay. I mean, there's, so if you're traveling and you need a place to stay... You don't have a home. You don't have so you need people to be hospitable. They got to open up their home and welcome you and share the food. And and Gaius was one of those guys. And whenever John would send someone to those churches, he would welcome them into the place and treat them well, financially help them, provide for them. And you're going to see that play out in these verses. And that's why he's writing them because there's someone that he's going to call out by name that didn't. But we'll get to that. So he says, he says you you you. Do, you're faithfully to these brethren and the strangers, people you don't even know, which have borne witness. So they testify of thy charity before the church. You've been loving. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. The word Gentiles here is not, it's talking about non-Christians. He said, so the preachers that came through your town, you... You were hospitable to them. You took them on into your house. You fed them and you gave them money. They didn't need to try to go out into the outside world to get finances. You guys provided for them and he wants to thank him for that. Gaius had some sort of maybe leadership in the church as well. But he said, you financially took care of them where they didn't have to go out in the business world and try to figure anything. You were keeping them going on their way. You were hospitable to them. And he is thankful for that. He said, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. In doing that, he's saying, you're a fellow helper of the truth. It reminds me of our missions. It reminds me, we don't house people as much anymore. We have hotels you put them up in. But it reminds me of missions giving and, and helping missionaries get to the field through that. It reminds me of special love offerings we do for like the camp or others. This is a way to be fellow helpers to the truth. But now he gets, he gets to where he calls out name. Remember, what's John? He's the disciple whom Jesus what? Do you remember? Loved. He's known as a loving man. But watch what he's about to do. It's not unloving, but watch what he's going to do. In, in verse 9 he says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So he's going to call this guy out by name. Which is actually biblical. I don't have my those notes on me, but in, in uh, Galatians, Paul said to those that are that they're going to be, and I'm going to paraphrase, but those who cause disunity in the church, he said, expose them, call them by name. And then it, John did that in First, Second Timothy, he called out some people that were fighting in the church, and he called them out by name. So it's not an unloving thing to do. It's it's he's not to be gossiping, which is what we're going to see Diotrephes did. He's not to be gossiping about them. But as a leader in the church, hey, if they are going to be causing issues in the unity of the church, expose it. You need to make sure that you deal with that immediately. Now, how is this Diotrephes? They don't know, uh, commentators you study, they don't know if he was in the same church as Gaius or if 
you know, these circuit churches were small houses, so it may have been another one just you know down the next town over. It could have been somewhere close. But Paul, had, excuse me, John had sent some of these same preachers over to the church that Diotrephes at least is the leadership of or some sort of leader in that church, and he didn't receive them. Matter of fact, he turned them away, did the opposite of what Gaius did. So get out of here. We don't want you. And then it goes on, and he says because he loves to have the preeminence. We're going to get to this, but he's just a man full of pride. We don't need any of your help around here. We don't need John's disciples around here. He was full of pride. Now, I'm going to come back to that, but let's read the. T- he says, Wherefore, I like this. I love this right here. He says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. So not only did he send them on his, their way, but he was gossiping and criticizing John as he sent them on their way and then back to that church. And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. He won't receive them in. And forbiddeth them that they would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So this guy, Diatrophes, got called out. He's got a wicked mouth on him. He's criticizing John, the preacher, who's been faithful for these years. He's an elder man. He's walked with Jesus. But he says it's because he, has, he wants to have the preeminence. It's, a, it's an idea of pride. He's not willing, probably, to his little house church. I don't want someone else coming in here and trying to take over. I run this show. Imagine my dad said, hey, no outside speakers, no missionaries, no evangelists. This is my church. I'm the only voice you're ever going to hear. We'd probably all say, see you later, myself included. Like, see you later, Dad. See you at Thanksgiving, but I'm gone, all right? Because, but that's who this guy was. He was so full of pride. Well, pride is such a wicked sin. Pride is, I think pride and selfishness are the root of about every sin. Proverbs tells us pride is the source of contention. So if you have contention in your marriage, in any relationship at work, you can trace it back to probably pride and selfishness somewhere. It's always going to be there. It's Proverbs tells us. And pride was what got Satan thrown out of heaven. Pride is what led the third of those angels to go with him. Uh, pride is just such a wicked sin. In Proverbs chapter 6, Jesus, or the, the writer of Proverbs says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. The very first one, he says, is a proud look. God says, I hate it. I hate pride. Not saying he hates necessarily the, the one that's committing the pride. He loves him. He died for him. But God hates the sin of pride. He's seen it from the beginning of time with Satan. He hates the sin of pride. He's seen over all these years how pride destroys. And this man, Diotrephes, was so full of pride in himself that he wouldn't allow any other voices to come in. He wasn't hospitable. Didn't give an offering. Just sent them on their way to get out. He says that we're cast. We just got the idea of almost by force. Cast them out and say, get out of here. I don't want you guys here. And then on your way out, here's a few malicious words about John, your leader. Hateful person. And John said, I'll remember that when I come to town. I love that. It's like, John, you're older, man. What are you going to do? But John said, I'll remember that when I come to town. He's going to deal with that, with that church. But then he's trying to encourage this Gaius. And he says, hey, don't, don't follow that pattern. And I think he's writing this, maybe getting ahead, saying, I'm going to send them around your way. You've been hospitable. Take in my sir. There's nothing wrong with my people. And you got to remember in the context, it's, all these letters are kind of written close together. There's been those false teachers that left the church. Diotrephes may, we don't know, this is all speculation, but he may have been sympathetic towards that. 
in trying to close off the church from hearing the truth. Because what has John been trying to do in the first John? and second? He's been trying to hammer them with truth, hammer them with truth. And Diotrephes is now saying, oh, not, keep, not any of that coming in here. And so I think he's getting ahead of this to Gaius said, hey, don't follow the pattern, Diotrephes. These guys are from me. They're good guys. Take them in. Treat them well like you have always done. And so we have one that's faithful and walking in truth. We have one that is full of pride and hateful. And then we have a third person, and as we wrap it up, and he says, uh, verse 12, Demetrius hath a good report of all men. I think this is the one that got rejected of Diatrees, probably, and is the one that's getting ready to come over to Gaius' place, possibly. But it says, Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will... I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. It's like we just saw a personal letter that someone just wrote to him. And he's, he's encouraging him. And he says, this guy Demetrius that's coming your way, he's got a good testimony. He's a good guy. He walks in truth. So I, I, I think as I wrap up this little letter, my thoughts on this are, where, who are we? Are we more in the side of Demetrius and Gaius that we, 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 the truth is in us and we're trying to walk in that truth? Or are we more like Diotrephes and maybe not in the, the actual sense of keeping people from church and the truth, but we, we're so full of pride that it's, it's really a shame. It's, it saddens and breaks the heart of God. When the, I think Diotrephes had a great opportunity. He's probably under the ministry of John. He had an opportunity to grow and be used of God and maybe have a letter written to him. Instead, he was so full of pride that he couldn't serve God. And if you and I have that pride in us, which we all do, that we have to fight, it's a daily discipline. If we allow that pride to bud and, and blossom in our lives, it's going to destroy relationships. It's going to destroy your walk with God. And your soul won't prosper when it's being led by pride. Because what is God love? The opposite of pride is humility. I could give you 15 verses right now. On humility, but it says, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. I want to be on that humble side. I don't need God's stiff arm. That's what I think about when I see resist the proud, that's God's stiff arm. I want to be on the recipient of God's grace. And to do that, we've got to be humble. So, two, two, three people here we see here Gaius and Demetrius, wonderful men who lived and walked in truth. Diotrephes, a man full of pride. You've got to examine your own heart. Which one are we? right now in this moment and you don't have to stay at diatrophies you can humble yourselves and walk with god and become one of these others let's pray